Welcome to today's edition of the Bible Class. Our teacher, Dr. Kenneth C. Hill, is teaching from the New Testament book of James. You may send your questions by email through our website at whcbradio.org. That's whcbradio.org. Or you may mail your questions to the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. Here is Dr. Hill with today's lesson. Welcome to the Bible class. We are continuing our study in the book of James, the general epistle of James, and we are in chapter 3. Let's read the entire chapter and then we'll begin our study. My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold also the ships which... Though they be so great, and are driven by fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whithersoever the governor listeth. Even so the tongue is a little member, and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. And the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity. So is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beasts, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind. But the tongue can no man tame, it is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. Doth a fountain send forth at the same place sweet water and bitter? Can the fig tree, my brethren, bear olive berries, either a vine, figs, so can no fountain both yield salt water and fresh. Who is a wise man, and endued with knowledge among you? Let him show out of a good conversation his works with meekness of wisdom. But if ye have bitter envying and strife in your hearts, glory not, and lie not against the truth. This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, devilish, for where envying and strife is, there is confusion and every evil work. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace of them that make peace." the 18 verses of chapter 3. And what we see in this portion of Scripture is that the tongue is a problem for us. 
it creates difficulties. We talked in a previous session about the fact of the teachers and the fact that we should not seek to teach many uh, because we might offend those that are taught. They learn from us and then they repeat our mistakes. And so we began with that thought in verses 1 and 2. We see that the tongue sets on fire the whole course of life with iniquity if we're not careful. Satan himself sets us on fire with that. The word tamed used in this passage occurs in only one other New Testament passage, and that's found in Mark 5, 4, with the maniac of Gadara. Interesting that the same word that is used in Mark for the maniac is used in James for the taming of the tongue. It doesn't have anything to do with domesticating animals, even though that's what he's talking about in taming. Uh, it doesn't have to do with training animals to perform. What it has to do is to control, to have control or dominion. Mankind can control animals. It seems to be able to control every lesser creature in some fashion. But no one, according to James in this passage can control or train his own tongue to be obedient at all times. Here we are, made in God's image, and James says even though we're in God's image, sometimes we, we curse man while we're blessing God. You can't do that. You can't do that. So let's get to the verses here, and then we'll continue. Behold... Well, let's, let's go to verse 2. For in many things we offend all, uh, and uh, we know that if we speak a lot, we will offend people. I know I do. Uh, I've offended people by not speaking. I've offended people by speaking, and you have too. Uh, perhaps you've offended them by not speaking. I've had people contact me from time to time letting me know that uh, a sermon that I delivered, a message I delivered, a teaching that I delivered, uh, was not beneficial to them because I was incomplete in my teaching. And what I found is oftentimes I was preaching or teaching through a book, like I do uh, in this case on this program, teaching uh, at this time through the book of James, and I go verse by verse. And sometimes I am not able to complete all of my thoughts about a specific verse or a series of verses uh, in that specific time period, and I have to go over it again sometime. Maybe in the next session, or maybe in one yet to follow. And I have been, oftentimes, <laughs> not, not more than a handful, but yet several times, have I been uh, told that uh, I ruined someone's life or understanding because I did not preach enough on a certain thing, or I did not uh, have enough words used. <laughs> um if they were listening to the next in the series, they probably would have gotten the information they were looking for. At least I hope they did. Because we try to preach or teach the whole counsel of the Word of God. Uh, and that's why I like to do it in an expositional way, looking at the Word. Because when we look at the Word of God, we see it in its totality. We may not understand it completely. 
as someone else does. We may have a partial understanding of a certain verse or one or two verses, and and that's when it comes out that maybe my understanding is not as great as someone else's. And I hear from people, and I appreciate hearing from them. Uh, and sometimes I get some great knowledge, and sometimes I don't. But it's important that we're available to hear, to listen. I remember as a, an early uh, early in my uh, ministry as a preacher, a brand new preacher, a newly minted preacher, uh, preaching in a very uh, wonderful church. And it was a very um, receptive group, very receptive. They were so nice to me. And this young preacher who, with all his faults, made all his mistakes, I'm sure, uh, and yet there was a, a venerated old pastor, retired, uh, who came up to me following the message and uh, felt that he needed to straighten me out about something, and so he did. Uh, I had that, I have had that happen many times, even to this very day. And I appreciate that, not because I think that I'm wrong in what I'm saying, because if you never think that, you wouldn't say it if you thought you were wrong, right? If you were teaching. But as a teacher, it's my responsibility to listen to the feedback so I can see if I did make a mistake. If I did say something I shouldn't have said or led the congregation in a way that was not the proper leading. For in many things we offend all, James says. And he's speaking to teachers here. He's speaking to teachers Speaking to me, speaking to you, if you're a teacher, if you're ever called upon to teach, James is speaking to you. And he says, in many things we offend everybody. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, a mature man, a completed man, and able also to bridle the whole body. And that's where I wanted to go. The word bridle there is very important talks about the fact of bridling ourselves. We talk, we talk about bridling our tongue, but we bridle the whole body if we control our tongue. And then he goes on to make an explanation, one that I think is very appropriate, certainly uh, helpful uh, in this discussion. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Now remember, at A.D. 45 or thereabouts, when James was writing this, what you find is that transportation was by foot or by horse or donkey or mule, usually. Uh, it might be by camel as well, if you were in that sort of situation. Um, but any of those would have required a bridle B-R-I-D-L-E, to be placed in the mouth. Now, this is that metal rod that goes from one side of the mouth to the other, and it's connected to attachments that allow the, the leather leads or, or um, rope leads uh, to be put onto uh, that rod. And then the person writing can move the head one way or the other by pulling on those those leads. Now, if you are looking at these animals and you put the bits in the horse's mouth, just putting a bit in the mouth won't help. It just agitates them. 
But if you have those leads on uh, the, the bits on each side so that you can actually guide them one way or the other, move the head one way or the other, then you have the opportunity to obey. They have the opportunity, I should say, to obey the master, to obey the person who is trying to ride them or to turn them one way or the other. And we don't just turn their head, we turn their whole body by turning their head. Now, it's interesting, and that, that's exactly how it works, and that's how it worked then, some nearly 2,000 years ago, and that's how it works now. Maybe you've never ridden a horse, or you've ridden a horse only um, for a very short time, maybe at a carnival or something, but you need to understand that this was a modern means of conveyance at A.D. 45, and that uh, because of that, everyone would have known what he's talking about. Now, you may not, so I'm trying to explain that to you. But he also gives another illustration here in uh, verse 4. He talks about these great ships. Even these great ships, uh, and they're driven by the, the force of the wind, the very fierceness of the wind. These ships are driven in the sea, and they go in the direction that they're headed because of the way the sails are set. Now, we don't use sailing ships in the same fashion that they used them then, but we use them even to this day. And folks, uh, some folks especially, enjoy sailing as a sport. And if they know how to set those sails and to set them just right, they can have that wind and the use of the wind uh, at just about any time to send them just about anywhere they want to go. But it's not only the sails. They're turned about with a very small rudder or helm, the helm being on top of the ship usually with a rudder down into the water, and it's sort of like a paddle, uh, not to be paddled, but to be directive. And so this this uh, paddle, if you will, this this helm, this way of guiding that ship, that boat, is used there as a bit is used in the in the mouth of a horse. And so when you take the bit and bridle and you move that horse to the right or to the left or you you move that ship using that rudder or that paddle that's down in the water, then you turn that ship in whatever direction that you wish, just like you turn the horse. And you do that by having that down in the water so deep that you are in the water at all times, even though that ship is bouncing on the ocean. That rudder is deep enough that it, even though it's small, can control that huge ship. Now, when you uh, look on uh, one of the various uh, history channels or military channels or some such thing as that, and you see a documentary... Uh, and you watch a documentary about military maneuvers with ships, perhaps World War II uh, going across the English Channel or some such thing as that. When you watch that, look at those small rudders that are on the backs of those ships, even though they're sometimes very large ships, and see how that they're moved in the water. Even though they're driven by the wind, they're driven through the waves, it's that rudder that is deep-seated in the water that is so important. 
And so what he's trying to tell us here is that the tongue is so important to us. It's deep-seated in the human being. The tongue, as a man thinketh in his heart, that's what you're going to be talking about. It comes through the tongue. It comes through the mouth. And so you speak what's on your heart. And it's deep-seated. And yet it's dangerous. If that rudder is not controlled, the ship's progress will be impeded. If the rudder is not controlled, the ship can go out of, out of bounds. And it can, it can actually capsize and sink because the rudder would not be controlling the ship. The ship would just be controlling itself, and it would be off in some sort of strange fashion. The same thing goes for a horse. If you're riding a horse and you let go of the, of the bridle, you let that bit just hang, then you have no control over the horse. And the horse will take off, perhaps gallop away, and perhaps even injure the rider. You have to control the horse with that bit. You have to control the ship with the rudder. You have to control yourself with your tongue. And that's what James is talking about here. Verse 5 of chapter 3, even so the tongue is a little member, and that's what he's showing us, a little bit or a little rudder can move the entire thing. Here the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold how great a matter a little fire kindleth. How great a matter a little fire kindleth. It's important for us to understand that when fire gets out of control, it's dangerous. When you have fire under control, there's no danger. If you're using it to read, you have a, uh, a need for a candle, you can use fire for a candle. Or you, you have need to, to uh, have a fire to cook or to stay warm. Perhaps you're in a uh, a camping situation, you want to use a fire for that, well, that's important, and, and fire controlled is your friend. Fire out of control is your enemy. The tongue that you have is a fire. That's the way James shows it. It is as it is a fire, and it is as uncontrollable fire, very dangerous. Controlled it's not dangerous at all. It's very beneficial. And so what he's saying here, the tongue is a fire, verse 6, a world of iniquity, because it shows forth the heart of man and woman. Whether it be good or whether it be evil, it shows forth the heart of man and woman. So is the tongue among our members that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and it is set on fire of hell. Now, does he mean that everyone's tongue is burning? No. What he means here is very clear, in my opinion, very clear. And what he says is, you've got to be careful how you use words. You've got to be careful how you use your tongue. My beloved brethren, he says, you must be careful. It's a very small member, but yet it is so important because the fire that can be kindled can get out of control very quickly. You have to be careful what you say. Some would say, keep your words sweet. You may have to eat them. 
While that may be appropriate and it may be a good saying, that's not what James is saying. James is saying it's so dangerous. Make sure your words are correct and make sure they're controlled and make sure your tongue is under control because if it's not, the fires of hell will be set in your very assembly of believers by the tongue that you yourself possess. So be careful, little tongue, what you say. Thank you for joining us today for this edition of the Bible Class with Dr. Kenneth C. Hill. You may reach us by email by going to our website, whcbradio.org, and sending us an email on the Contact Us link. That's whcbradio.org. If you prefer to use the Postal Service, our address is The Bible Class, WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. That's the Bible Class, care of WHCB, Post Office Box 5, Blountville, Tennessee, 37617. You may also call us at 423-878-6279. Until our next Bible Class program, we are trusting that the Lord will richly bless you as you serve Him.